Welcome to the number one podcast covering Michigan State basketball. The Final Four is not in the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I have listened to your guys' podcasts numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am big fans of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold. And Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're gonna lose. Coming down the stretch, you're gonna lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod here to talk about MSU's loss to Northwestern Wildcats in Evanston, 88-74. Michigan State falls to 1-3 in the Big Ten with a trip coming up at Champaign. This makes three straight losses against the Wildcats for MSU, and despite playing better of late, the Spartans are at risk for being in the basement of the Big Ten, tied at 11th with Iowa, Michigan, and Minnesota. It was a game where it was hard to point out exactly where MSU lost the game, and we could point turnovers, rebounding, defense, uh, I don't know. I just felt like the broader answer is that Northwestern just played a lot harder and they got the loose balls, a ton of offensive rebounds, just seemed to be moving faster than the Spartans on both ends of the court. Perhaps a key stat for Northwestern is they had a 21 to two edge on points off turnovers. And I'll just let you take it away from there. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was a variety of things. You know, my thought at halftime, the thing I was angriest about was the defensive rebounding and, um, and just not winning any 50-50 balls, some of which were rebounds, some of which ended up as turnovers. Um, it, and I said on the on the mag board at halftime, if you don't do those things in this league, you are going to lose games. But that yeah. wasn't all of it. There were a, there was a lot, a lot happened here to make for this outcome. I think. Uh, let me start by giving the opponent some credit. I thought Northwestern, you know, a, a lot of these losses to Northwestern, had, because this is four out of five now, um, yeah. have been, during this period, have been very frustrating because they were either games where Boo Booey put on a circus act or Michigan State blew some, I, I think about a couple of them, where Michigan State just blew great opportunities to win those games. Yeah. This... You rarely felt, I'd never, honestly, did I come out of those games feeling like, you know, Northwestern as a team just played really, really well. It felt like it was Michigan State kind of handing them a game. Mm-hmm. That was not entirely the case here. We'll talk about all the things Michigan State did wrong. And look, that's I, I would agree with people who would say, that's really where you lost the game. But give them credit. I think their offense, the way they set screens and used screens, so it's the way the screens are being set, the way that the timing of it, the way the guards are using them, um, not one offensive foul called, and yet those that was the most solid pick setting I've seen from an MSU opponent this year. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was really impressive. And, and one problem for Michigan State is they could not find – could not figure out a way to adjust to that and get over the top of those screens. They never did. 40 minutes, they never did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but give Northwestern credit. And then, you know, you also have to say, um, you know, Northwestern, Northwestern shot extremely well. 54% overall, 39% from three, and almost all of that came in the last what 22 23 minutes i know they were oh for their first eight so that means they were nine for 15 the rest of the way so they hit shots and their ball movement was great i thought defensively they did a really good job squaring michigan state's guards up and making it very difficult to get into the paint we'll talk about that what impact that had on the game but that that was a big deal and then as I alluded to, um, well, we'll turn to the, 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 that covers 
the Northwestern strengths. I think all of those, you know, 15 for 18 at the line helped a bit too. Um, only five turnovers, but that's what they do. Uh, and they were really efficient, as you mentioned, in turning Michigan State's 13 mistakes into 21 points, which is really good yeah. production off turnovers. So there was a lot to like about the way Northwestern played. And unlike some of these games of recent vintage, it was not just the Boo Booey show. Now, he was outstanding, but he was outstanding in the way that point guards are typically outstanding. Yes, he scored right, some. Right but he was double digits and assists. He just controlled that game for them and and ran it very efficiently. Other guys had to step up, and they did. A bunch of them did. So give them credit for, the for I think, playing a very good game. All that said, a um, lot of problems for Michigan State. The first half, defensive rebounding was a disgrace. This is a bad offensive rebounding team. There is no way on yep. God's green earth that you should be. I believe they had eight offensive rebounds on 17 missed shots in the first half, nearly a 50% rate. That's a disgrace. Now, to Michigan State's credit, they never got a, an offensive rebound in the second half. So they did tighten that up. Um, but meanwhile, you know, Northwestern. They, Damage was done. Yeah, they, they got eight, you know, the second chance points difference. Michigan State had a 10-8 edge in offensive rebounds. MSU only got two offensive rebounds themselves in the second half. Both teams, it just, it just, the water shut off in that category. But MSU only had a four-point advantage in second chance points. We talked about in the preview, this is a game where you really like to see Michigan State just come in and dominate on the glass. Because Northwestern's not a very good rebounding team. Well, as we've seen Michigan State suffer on several occasions this year, they did not do that. Yes, they had an edge. No, it was not nearly as significant as it should have been or needed to be. And the first half performance was shameful. And it, and it wasn't even just, you know, I don't want to put it all on on Mahdi and Carson by any stretch either. No, it was everybody. Because yeah. a lot of what happened was guard penetration which forced bigs to help a shot gets yep. missed. And then the big is out of position because he had to help. And Northwestern gets, I mean, the hunger kid, I think had a couple of putbacks. That's just, that's awful. Yes. So that was bad. The turnovers, you know, we, we talked about Northwestern as a team that generates a fair amount of turnovers. So 13 turnovers in this game, it's not great, but it's not an egregious number. But the kinds of turnovers they had leading to 21 Northwestern points, that tells you, you know, the coaches talk about this all the time. There's, Izzo does for sure. Izzo calls them, you know, turnovers for touchdowns where you, you make a poor pass or you get stripped of the ball and the opponent live ball situation, the opponent just goes down transition and scores. Now, it, it wasn't necessarily a ton of that because Northwestern only had five fast break points. But it, I think that's where the fast break stat gets funky because it felt to me like Northwestern was pretty effective in turning those those Michigan State mistakes into um, into quick scores. I mean, Northwestern scored eighty eight points in this game. Yeah, that's if you told me that the final score was going to be eighty eight seventy four. I would have you just about bet the house. It would have been a Michigan State win. <laughs> Michigan State yeah. won the tempo battle, which is rare when you've got a fast team playing against a team that plays really slowly. It usually doesn't go that way. It's a lot easier to slow a game down than it is to speed it up unless you're gambling and trapping, which MSU doesn't do. Um, but we, we see the result as it was. Um, so that was unfortunate. I thought Michigan State... As I mentioned, Northwestern, give them credit, uh, did a pretty good job at keeping Michigan State out of the lane or when they got into the lane, making it tough on them. All you got to do, points in the paint, Northwestern had a six-point edge, 34-28. to 28. Again, if you told me before the game that that was going to be the number, I would have bet Michigan State would have that edge. They did not. Yeah. That hurt. Um, You know, and then I guess the other thing, kind of going back to 
Well, before I turn away from Michigan State's problems, obviously this is one that the Malik Hall uh, doubters will seize on, and I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't put up an he argument was bad. with it. He just didn't do yeah. anything. He didn't do anything. He missed a few shots that he took. They were good shots. He missed them. Okay, that happens. But he was just, it was the passive Malik that when when people complain about his inconsistency, that's usually what we're talking about. And that's exactly what we saw in this game. He was very, he's very passive. And it's weird because he's he's from not terribly far away from Evanston. Yeah. You would think, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you this, if Jeremy Fears could walk, I would have bet on Jeremy Fears at least playing ultra, ultra hard in this game because he was near home. Um, I I know this, Malik better turn it up on Thursday against the other in-state school uh, because they're going to need him. Uh, But that was a problem for MSU. They didn't get anything out of him. Uh, But then turning back to Northwestern, another area where I've got to give them credit, and, and maybe a little bit of credit to Michigan State, too. Michigan State didn't fold their tent. You know, they had that terrible last eight minutes of the first half where it went from kind of a back-and-forth, very even game to a 15-point lead. And just yeah. just every, I mean, broken plays went Northwestern's way. Michigan State couldn't hit shots. It was just everything kind of collided. Second half, right out of the shoot, Michigan State, I think, pretty quickly got it down to eleven. And see, mm-hmm. and they made pushes to get it. You know, Northwestern would extend it. Michigan State would push, get back down to 12, down to 11. They never got it into single digits, which was the big problem. And credit to Northwestern. Every time MSU did it, Northwestern had an answer. They hit big mm-hmm. shots. They made big plays. And um, that was it. And so they, they kept MSU at arm's length the entire second half. MSU could never, if they had gotten it down to nine or eight, with a decent amount of time left, I think you would have seen a very different atmosphere in that game. And, um, you know, it might've been a more interesting finish, but uh, Northwestern never let that happen. And that's what, that's what you're supposed to do when we're talking about Michigan state having those kind of leads. That's what we want to see, right? Like, yeah, you never let them start feeling good about themselves. And Northwestern didn't. Yeah. I think that that one uh, stretch at the end where, it looked like Michigan State got the turnover. They're going to have a break. They're going to get it. Uh, this was, I think, the end of the first. Was that the end of the first half? Yeah, it was the end of yeah, the first half. Yeah, it was half. part of that I think flurry. Was, yeah. They're going to get down to, it looked like it was going to get down to, they were going to cut it from seven to five. Right. And then Northwestern went to three ten. and they got a ball again. They got 13. And then it's like, wow, that just sort of, it was, it, that sort of summarized were, the entire game. There were back-to-back broken plays. There was that one, which, yeah. I don't, look, the kid from Northwestern deflects it. AJ did the right yeah. thing. He was trying to throw ahead. They made a good play. Okay. Then the, I think it was the next possession, North Langbourne is out of control driving, somehow manages, and I got to be honest with you, on the replay, and they never said anything, I'm pretty sure his foot actually landed before he pe- released the ball. It shouldn't have counted. It was counted. close, for it sure. It shouldn't yeah. have counted, in yeah. my opinion. But regardless, they let it go. He, he kind of fumbled the ball, managed to kick it to, I think it was Barry, in the corner and he hits a three and all of a sudden you go from a seven point game where you're disappointed you're down but it's not crazy to 13 and then they get the last and this is all in the last like minute and a half two minutes Mm -hmm. and then northwestern gets the last possession and Bowie hits kind of a great play kind of a circus shot uh, he got squirt. Well, when a circus shot is too unkind he got, no, he to just him, drove past. He went past. Sissoko, he went yeah, past Mati. He got yeah. he got switched onto Mati, and um, yeah, it's not a circus shot because he makes those. But um, and all of a sudden you're looking at a 15 point margin, and then from there it was essentially an even game. But that's fine for Northwestern. Yeah, right. You know they yeah, did their job sure. at that point. So yeah, yeah, disappointing. Um, I would think people can hear my voice, though, and I want to say this. I'm not nearly where I was after that Nebraska game. And the reason (laughs) is this is a more conventionally understood life on the road in the Big Ten. These things happen. That doesn't excuse the problems in the way Michigan State played, but it just means I've seen this movie a thousand times. 
Michigan State <laughs> did not play defensively at the level they have been for the last three, four weeks. Um, that's certainly true. Um, they, they their their offensive numbers look decent, but if you watch that game, you know that was not a vintage MSU performance offensively either. It was okay, but it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we talked about the rebounding being an issue. And so that's what you get, but that happens on the road. And this is, you know, we also have to keep in mind in this big 10, look, there are a lot of bad basketball teams, a lot. I mean, I watched earlier today, I watched some of the, um, most of the second <laughs> Maryland, half, Minnesota. no, I didn't even see that, but that's, oh. that's two of them. And it's shocking to me that Maryland's as bad as they are, but they are. Um, Michigan, Penn State, and, you know, we just saw, our listeners just saw Penn State. You know what that team is, and they handled Michigan. So where does that put Michigan? And God knows whether Michigan's going to have a point guard by the end of the week. Um, So it could get even worse for them. Um, Iowa looks, they they won a game finally over the the weekend, but they're they're not good. There are a lot of bad, Rutgers is the team they beat. Rutgers looks terrible. Um, there's a lot of bad basketball teams. So in this Big Ten, this Northwestern game is more equivalent to a typical year where you lose at, you know, a middle-of-the-pack team, which happens all the time. These these games do yeah, happen. Like like losing at Wisconsin right. or something. Or whatever, that given year. Whoever's, you know, yeah, right. the sixth sure. best team in the Big Ten. The Northwestern might be in the top six. They're, they're not far off, in my opinion. you, you got to give them credit. They've now got home wins against Purdue and Michigan State. That's a pretty good place to be, you know. Yeah. And, and yes, there's been – I think their issue is something that, you know, has been a Michigan State problem at times, massive inconsistency, because they have those wins, and then, you know, they lose to Chicago State, arguably the worst program in the country over the last decade. And th- their previous game to this one, they just got the doors blown off at Illinois. It wasn't a surprise that they lost. It was a surprise they lost by 30. Um, so who knows who they really are, but I think that they're probably a team that is a, I expect them to be at hovering in that 500-ish range. Now, whether that means they end up 11-9 and nine or 12-8 and eight or 9-11 or 8-12 and 12 remains to be seen. But this is this is not a terrible loss in those way, in the ways that we typically talk about them. It's the kind of loss that that you take sometimes in the Big Ten. Now, you know, I, I will say this. I, I don't know if I verbalized it. I can't remember, but I know what my thought process was coming into this little swing through the state of Illinois. I felt that for Michigan State to be in you know solid position to make a run, to get into the upper tier of the league, you want to see them split these two games. That's well, what I was thinking too, yeah. Well, <laughs> you took the loss here, which most people would think is the easier game. And on paper, that that stands to reason. Uh, and, and look, Champaign-Urbana is a terrible place to try to go and win a game. But Illinois is without Terrence Shannon. They have played, I think, three games, three or four games without them, and they've actually shown up pretty well. Their loss against Purdue is kind of misleading. That game got tight at the end because Purdue screwed around. Um, Purdue won that pretty decisively in West Lafayette. I am not a believer in Illinois, and I'm not a believer in Illinois because I think their lack of of guard play, of uh, actual guards, period, on the roster, and now you've taken away the guy who was the fulcrum of their team and their best creator, um, he's out of there. And we don't know for sure, but I'm going to assume he does not play Thursday. I'm kind of suspecting that the wheels of justice typically turn slowly enough that I don't expect to see him again this year. But I guess we'll see. Um, You never say never. Um, But I'm expecting Illinois to start crashing to earth anytime. Not not that they'll fall completely off the map, and they might even still be good enough to get a tournament bid, but this is not going to keep up what they've been doing without without Shannon. I, I do not see it. The question is, will it crater by Thursday, and can Michigan State <laughs> um, can Michigan State take advantage? You know, Michigan State 
the last the last time they were down there last it was last year right was it last year or two years ago no last year played very played very played very well on, until that because when Hall got hurt they didn't have a physical answer for Matthew Mayer and he took advantage um, and yeah. Illinois pulled away late but Michigan State played pretty well for most of that game so I think they're fully capable of going in there and stealing it and if they lose it yeah the record's going to look terrible one and four but you've got to understand there are a lot of games coming up after that that look very very winnable i think they got two straight at home against minnesota and rutgers you damn well better win those because those teams are bad um <laughs> yeah. and then you you know you go from there and you, you see what happens but um it would be really nice to get the illinois win like i said and i think we're on the same page a split of these two games would be okay you know you don't go into a season figuring you're going to go eight and two on the road, and Michigan State yeah. is not going to do that this year. <laughs> but yeah, Michigan State after the Rutgers Minnesota they go at Maryland, winnable uh, and then definitely winnable. Yeah, at Wisconsin that's going to be a tough Winna- game. And Winna- then they have I will home say with- winnable for this reason. It's winnable, sure. I don't think Wisconsin is as good as the record indicates, and Michigan State's actually had a great deal of success in Madison ever since Bo Ryan got his ass the hell out of there. Yeah. They've done very well in that building against Greg Gard. So, um, yep. but yeah. The, and the next three games are, you know, home against Michigan, home against Maryland, and then at Minnesota. So, I mean, they kind of there, jam all those this games This is in. my so, point. Like, to your point. There's an opportunity yeah, yeah, there, but boy, it would be even better if you get a road win against a team that at least currently is ranked very highly. And, you know, that would that would be a... That would be a big one. So I'm I'm looking For sure. forward to that. This was unfortunate. I certainly am not happy about it, but this does not make me think that the progress of the last three weeks is all for naught. It makes me think that they had an off day and they were facing an opponent who actually played very well. And to your point, Northwestern, this is not the Northwestern of seven, eight years ago. So losing at right. Shrine is not as disastrous as a loss as it looks like and as it feels you know, yeah. just things have changed. Just just like uh, losing at Wisconsin doesn't seem a big deal. But 35 years ago, that was a disaster, and right? Took, but now, and you know, it took a few years to adjust to that reality. Or in reset, recent yeah, years, right. Rutgers. The idea of Rutgers yes, being a tough exactly. game was very difficult for people to get their minds wrapped around. But, you know, the reality was Rutgers, well, they make the tournament three years in a row. So yeah. that, that became, yeah. uh, you know, that became a difficult game. So anyway, I guess dis- disappointed. Um Certainly a lot for Izzo to uh, hammer on people about a lot, but um, I'm not distraught. The 23-game win streak going into the NCAA, to the yeah. Big Ten tournament was, is not going to happen. Was not going to happen, <laughs> correct. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, let's go through some other stuff here. Uh, we'll begin with the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids. They sponsor the Michigan State player who cleans the glass the best. Uh, it actually was Carson Cooper. He had six and Marty Soko had five. So guess what? I win again. So I'm 2-0 now. Uh, the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids, uh, they're your go-to if you want your windows cleaned. But not just for your home. They could, they definitely can do that. But also if you're high-rise or you have a business, they can take care of that. Not only do they clean windows, like the inside, the outside, windowsills, all those sorts of things, and get up right up next to it so make sure it's nice, streak-free, clean, uh, but they can also power wash your house using um, surfactants, soaps, and stuff, so they don't have to use a big high-powered washer to peel your paint. They can just do a nice, good cleaning. Uh, so you can get up 15% off if you mention Rebound when you get your free estimate from them. You can find ways to do that in your podcast player below, uh, and just check out the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids. So then the next thing... The pitch, this player that Michigan State needed to keep in the gutter was Boo Booey. Well, I think we can safely say that yeah. <laughs> did not keep him in the gutter. Uh, he had a, a good game. Um, you know, I this is I'll only say this that that I know everyone thinks that Boo Booey is a Spartan killer, and yes, he had a great game. Nineteen points, six fifteen from the field, one for six from three, so he didn't really yep. you know, do much there. Perfect from the line at six and ten assists, no turnovers. Played thirty eight minutes, had a rebound. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't like, uh, where he dropped, you know, 40 or something like that. A lot of his points came late too, when it didn't really matter as much, but he was, he did a very good job on both ends of the, the floor. And I mean, they certainly didn't keep him in the gutter, but it wasn't like just the boo booey show tonight. I, I would say this though. Um, and I, I actually don't have the Michigan state schedule in front of me to see whether MSU gets them at Breslin. I don't, they do. They do. Okay. 
Well, yep. before that, but it's going to be a while, but several weeks before that game, months. Yeah. Um, somehow the staff has got to come up with an approach to really somehow um, limit limit his ability to dominate a game because I do think I actually think I got to tell you I'm more impressed with the game he played tonight than I have been with some of those 30 point efforts because some of those felt fluky some of mm -hmm. those were you know he's had a tendency in his career I've talked about it a lot to take bad shots he's he's a bad shot selection guy and it, that's part of the reason why He's only a low to mid thirties three point shooter as opposed to a high thirties to low forties guy. Because I think he has the talent, the ability to do that, but his choice of shots that he takes has always been screwy. And and it's felt to me sometimes like in these games he's had against MSU, it's just been sort of fluky and while well, he got on a not that he hasn't been a good player, but you know what I mean, that he just gets hot yeah. and starts mm -hmm. he hits some bad shots. He's like, All right. That was not this. Now, you mentioned 6 or 15 from the floor. He didn't kill MSU shooting the ball. 1 for 6 from 3 is certainly not good. Um, but he dominated that game. He dominated that game because he was constantly probing the defense. He had MSU. There was a great segment that really illustrated this that Robbie Hummel pointed out on the broadcast where Tyson Walker's guarding him at the top of the key, and A.J. helped so much because he was worried about Bowie getting into the lane, the threat of that, that it left, I think it was Barry, open on the yeah. wing for a three because Tyson was, or A.J., sorry, A.J. was too far away to recover. That's, you know, that's the boo Bowie effect. There were plays where he would get himself from the teeth of the defense and everything would kind of collapse around him and he'd kick it to somebody who'd make a shot. I just thought his, the way that he controlled things offensively for them was very impressive. I think I mentioned in our preview, early in his career, I was not convinced that he was ever going to be a point guard. I thought he was more of a small scoring guard, and that's kind of what he was, kind of wild shot selection, mm -hmm. you know, live by the bad shot, die by the bad shot, that kind of guy. But over his career, he has developed into a a good point guard and I thought tonight he was outstanding in the totality of what that means. I also thought he was really good defensively. So Yes, he was. In terms of him running their offense, I you know, I could see what Michigan State was doing and they didn't I thought they did an okay job at times in pick and roll coverage. But as I mentioned, Northwestern was so good with their screen game that it really helped get guys loose and somehow and i look i'm not the coach i'm gonna leave it to them but it would <laughs> it would be nice to see them figure out a way to you know they i guess this is what i mean yes they had a lot of guys chipping in a lot of guys made shots you know but it was still boo booey's game he mm -hmm. still made a lot of that happen. Even if it was just the threat of him and how MSU was so concerned about that. So not even necessarily like a play where he makes a great pass. It's just MSU so overcompensating for him that somebody else gets loose. Um, they got to figure it out for that game because if he's allowed to, if he if he does control the game for them the way he did today, it's going to be tough to beat them. You know, you might have a game where their guys just don't hit those shots. That's entirely possible. Where MSU's a little better at the other end. But I don't want to take that chance. I think they got, yeah. they got to find a way. I, like, I would I would actually be more comfortable if you had Boo Booey taking more shots and scoring more points, but not dictating the totality of the offense the way he did tonight. That's, I guess, where I land, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think, you know, the and just to make the point one more time, it is a road game, and road games in the Big Ten are tough, especially sure. decent well, teams. or you know. And that's so, exactly why I say 
their guys made those shots tonight. In East Lansing, they may not fall. Exactly, know? yeah. Uh, so then uh, moving on, the um, – oh, just a reminder too for the Brothers Suggestive Gutters, if you do need gutter work and it is still – well, it's always time when there's lots of water around, whether it's snow or whether it's rain or ice build up on your roof, you want to make sure that all that water gets siphoned away from your house – or from your business. And so you can contact the Brothers Justice Gutters on the west side of the state in the Grand Rapids area or the east side of the state in the metro Detroit area. You get uh, 10% off if you mention Final Four when you get your estimate from either Kurt in the Grand Rapids area or Greg in the metro Detroit area. Uh, they will do fantastic work. They've worked in my wife's office and then in my, our house. And they did came up, did a good, good job real quick. And they were in the middle of bad weather and still they got the job done in just a few days. Uh, in time when I thought actually I'd have to wait till spring. So they took care of it right away and avoided lots of those puddles for me in the side of my yard. So I appreciate that. Uh, so again, brothersgutters.com. You can find contact information below. Uh, so finally, go to the f- five keys of the game. Uh, brought to you by Nudge Printing. And Nudge Printing, of course, has their, if you've been listening to the show, they are sponsoring our new trivia question where you can go to nudgeprinting.com slash TFFINOTS. Uh, There you can answer the trivia question, for which Michigan State player is the last to be drafted in the top 10 of the NBA draft? Uh, If you answer that, you'll be entered into, answer correctly, I should say, you'll be entered in the drawing for an opportunity to win a free t-shirt of any type you want from Nudge Printing. If you go to Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com, you'll see that they have a gigantic selection of apparel, Uh, Michigan State gear, all sorts of different things, football, basketball, uh, all kinds of vintage logos. Uh, plus, you can get other schools, too. So there are other schools in the state of Michigan and even a couple national schools as well if you want to pick up one of those. So those are all things you can do. Uh, so you can go to that page, which you can get access to our recording, and also a uh, chance to enter the contest and you know go shop through the rest and browse the rest of Nudge Printing stuff. So, again, go in. That will be – the finals for that will be in Wednesday. So we'll announce the winner on Thursday of whoever wins that contest. So. Make sure you get your entry in today. All right, so five keys of the game. The first one is confidence. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> well, I, you know. I didn't seem too bad, to be honest. No, in many ways, they I just think, didn't execute and, defensively. And look, they were, they for the first, whatever, 12, 13 minutes of that game, mm-hmm. I yeah. thought they, they were playing reasonably well. You know, Robbie Hummel was talking a lot about um the MSU getting into transition, and he was right. They were really good. That's yep. something it's hard to do against Northwestern. They they came out shooting the three well. They weren't taking a lot of them, but they were hitting the ones they were taking. I think they were four for their first six. Um, so all of that was there, you know. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't feel. I don't know. I, I it, it certainly this certainly isn't one that you look at and say, well, it's momentum uninterrupted and we're building on it. But uh, I got to think coming. So you'd have to give it a negative here, but I do think coming out of this one, I'd be surprised if this is a oh here we go again kind of thing. Yeah, it, it didn't. It didn't strike. They, there was. Didn't seem like a body language of anything. There was nothing, no part of it that you felt like they looked like they're broken. Part of the right. Part I mean, of, that's right. Just... And part of the problem with these the, those first two Big Ten games in particular, but even some of the some of the non-conference games they lost, I didn't feel like any of those opponents really played lights out basketball. Right. Exactly. That was what was disturbing about it. You couldn't say, "Man, we just ran to a buzzsaw." And that's not to say Northwestern tonight was a buzzsaw, but Northwestern played very well. They were good, yeah. And so they, it, it feels different, to me at least. I don't know how it feels to them. And that's really all that matters is how it feels to them. But um, <laughs> sure, yeah, that, certainly this isn't one that you say, well, we're still on the uninterrupted upward trajectory. But, you know, I don't think it ha- it doesn't have to be anything more than one bad night at the office. Yeah, and I think that's probably well. We'll see, we'll know. I guess we'll, we'll see on Champagne Thursday. How, yeah, how, yeah, that'll be a big good. We'll see test. on Thursday. Uh, second key to the game: rebounding. And so Northwestern with a thirty percent offensive rebounding rate, Michigan State with thirty seven percent. As you mentioned, all of Northwestern's offensive rebounds came in the first half, so they were rebounding about half of them. And I personally, I think that's where the game was lost in the first half because though when Michigan State got the stops and yep. had an opportunity, they 
they giving up and that was what really just killed them and because then yep. they got down and then you know and so i don't know i felt like that was where where really things turned and then the then there were some certainly some turnovers too but it was the offensive rebounding that really just two, i think two things just crushed two them. things to me always feel in terms of momentum like absolute backbreakers yeah it's second chance points and giving up opponent threes and both mm-hmm. of those happened repeatedly <laughs> down the stretch of the first half. You know, I mean, they did. And, and that was, yeah, I, I look, Michigan state having an 8% edge in offensive rebounding rate. That's not good enough in a game like this. 30% up giving up 30% uh, as, as a defensive rebounding team to the opponent is not statistically a horrific performance, but when you're playing a team that doesn't emphasize it, that's not particularly good at it, and that really at times, this is the part that was disturbing to me. There were times where it was, well, they were caused because, as I said earlier, a guard got beat off the dribble and a big had to help, and that left an open opportunity because nobody put a body on the Northwestern big. You, you cert, those are problems too, but they're a different kind of problem. I did feel in this game, and I guess I haven't said this explicitly, and I should, I did feel in this game Northwestern was the tougher, more physical team. Mm-hmm. I don't think it, question. it showed up in the screening. I think it showed up defensively, and it showed up in the first half at least on, on the offensive boards. Um, and I, I agree. It was a big, big disappointment. I'm glad they straightened it out in the second, but not good enough. Yeah, and I feel like that's where you saw Michigan State respond to the second half, but but already you're in a 15-point hole to, to come back. Right. It's too, too much yeah. to overcome. Third key to the game was guard play. Uh, you know, yeah, I it's, think you it's have to weird. give the edge to Northwestern you, you here, do. probably. You do, but it's weird. You know, you look at, look, Tyson Walker put on a show offensively, <laughs> and a lot of it came late, yeah. but... But also early. I mean, he had 11 points in that game very, very quickly. He hit his first three threes. He ended up 10 for 18 from the floor, four for seven from three, 27 points. You know, and Aikens wasn't bad, five for 10 from the floor, three for six from three. He had 13 points. Hogard, 13 points, struggled from the floor, but he was two for four from three, five for five at the line. He also had eight assists. So on paper, the MSU guards, they didn't get much out of Trey tonight. I think he had, what do you have, two points, I think? Four points. Four I points. had a garbage late yeah, at the he end didn't, of the, he didn't, the game. He didn't do much. It, it was the least impactful game from Trey Holloman, other than that one great recovery block he had. Um, it was the least impactful yeah. game from him in a while. Um, First turnover in a while. Yeah, <laughs> but, I, you know, that's okay. I mean, he's a sophomore. He's... He's due and allowed every once in a great while a substandard game. It happens. But I think you're right. I think you couldn't watch that game and feel like MSU's guards got the better of Northwestern's. You know, Bowie had 19, Barry had 22. And that was really when, you know, Barry's a good player, but when 22 is not what he normally contributes. Michigan State let him get off and Langborn chips in with, with 12. Those guys played very well. And, you know, I mentioned Bowie had a double-double. He had 10 assists. Um, they don't turn the ball over. So, Lineborn had four assists. Barry had two. Um, and I thought they were a little better defensively than Michigan State was mm-hmm. at the guard. So, yeah, yeah, you have to give. I mentioned in the preview, I think these are the two best backcourts in the league. And, you know, it would be a key for Michigan State. I And I do think, and I still think after tonight even, I still think Michigan State has the best backcourt in the conference. But um, for one night at least, you get you got to give it to Northwestern. Yeah, and if you if you could even if you said from a scoring standpoint, there was it was it's it was a push. The difference there is that the four where Barnheiser comes down with sixteen points and Hall is that was that, that know, was a decisive right. edge. You're absolutely right. And Bar- look, Barnheiser was fantastic. Yeah, I think 16 points, two for three for three. I mean, four, seven boards. Good. He was really good. And I mentioned he's really, you know, he has emerged as a legit guy they can count on this year rather than, you know, coming down the stretch last season. He was coming on, but 
he wasn't full-fledged a guy, hey, we're counting on this guy as a big part of what we do. Um, they, he's he's serious, and he you know, he did something he hasn't done well. Uh, he's shooting sub-30% from three. He went two for three. Yeah. But it wasn't just that. He was also, he took it to Malik. I mean, mm-hmm. Malik struggled with him, and I did not see that coming. I thought it would... Physically, he struggled with him, and I thought that would go the other way. And I, I think in the game in East Lansing, it very well could. It's just Malik's going to have to go into that game with a very different attitude. He's going to have to go in with an attitude uh, and not let that happen. Because for tonight, he kind of got his ass kicked. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the fourth key to the game was defending the arc. As you mentioned yeah. in the pregame, this is not a team that shoots a ton of threes. They shoot 37%. And I think tonight they shot 37% of 30, their shots were threes. Yeah, and so, yeah. yeah. So they they shot 23 or 9 of 23 for 39%, which is very, very good. But uh, and but they had a lot of comfortable threes. And yep. like you mentioned, good ones where they're, where yep. they're inside out threes. Inside out threes. And again, combined with great screen action, which yeah. put Michigan State in a lot of positions where they're having to to scramble to recover because guys were able to get penetration off of that. Um, yeah, it's you know I I think I think at the start of the game, you know they were I mentioned they were zero for eight, and, and they weren't getting easy ones. Right, they were, I mean they were they were tough one three looks. They got better at running their stuff and generating yeah. good looks mm-hmm. as a as a result of that and Michigan State also did not didn't fight hard enough to get over the top of those screens weren't you know I mentioned sometimes it was over helping put them out of position so they couldn't recover well enough just a variety of issues there was one where the two guys got confused as to who yep. had a man and somebody got it was Langborn got loose and you can't let that guy go you know just shoot uh unguarded and so hence you have the problem but yeah msu over the totality of the game did not get it done here uh and finally the start and so i thought and this is one where i'd say michigan state did fine with the start i think they were playing even they were even up in, at times in the start of the game and so they they did not have that was not the problem the problem was the finish of the first yep. half where it just kind of got away with them I at think, the grand and yeah go ahead and it's just, I, you know i think there's oh i was just gonna say i think sometimes the teams sort of feel each other out sort of what is working mm-hmm. what's not working and that's i think northwestern did a better job of sort of feeling you know the screen reaction sure. how to kind of get get things working offense for sure uh, and that's that was the difference in the first half for sure and um you know especially in the first half i felt michigan state uh they went through some dry stretches where uh they didn't have tyson on the floor and look, you got to rest them at some point, and they've got enough guys that that should not be a problem. But I felt it was in one stretch in the first half, maybe when Northwestern first started to put some distance, say around the mm-hmm. eight minute mark. Um, and then also MSU hurt themselves. You know, they ended up recovering a little bit. They shot basically what they've been on the season. They were fifteen for twenty-two at the line for sixty-eight percent. But the first yeah. half was not good. They were sub sixty percent. And MSU, I know, I know, left. If you count one and ones as missing the opportunity for two points, I think they left. Maybe it was either three or no, maybe it was five points that they left on the table. Yeah. It was an and one, if I remember correctly, and then front end of two one and ones where they missed, and and that was all happening in the midst of Northwestern kind of getting a working margin when they were up, you know, four, six, seven. It was in that period. And, you know, look, it's a long game. You should be able to overcome that. But if if you do an autopsy of this thing, that was where it was all those things starting to happen at the same time allowed MSU to let the lead slip away. I mean, they had, I remember they had a four-point lead at 21-17 after Tyson hit a transition three. And from there, the roof caved in. It yeah. just, they never, they never got it together from that point forward. Um, I think they only scored seven points the rest of the half. And um, and we saw the results. So I would, I'm with you that 
it wasn't it wasn't a bad start but by the time they got to halftime when you're staring at a 15 point margin and <laughs> you saw northwestern basically double it in light speed like those last 2 minutes you're Michigan State oh, you're I down know. 7 what you're hoping for is hey we get a couple buckets couple stops maybe we're down a point or two at halftime no big deal instead it goes the other way and you go from 7 to 15 that was it i mean northwestern yeah. had no reason not to feel extremely confident yeah and this wasn't like the one game where michigan state had that huge comeback where northwestern shot their you know minds out in the first half no that, you know, no no, like, no that's what i mean and so so it wasn't like you think oh this is no problem coming back from 15 i mean this is going to be you know You'll be lucky if you get it within contact, which you never did. This was the most solid Northwestern win in a Michigan State game I can ever recall. Because usually, and they're rarities. I mean, I just did this for a post I made on the Spartan Magboard, but I went back all the way to the 88, uh, 87-88 <laughs> season. <laughs> wow, and that time machine. Northwestern's lost, Northwestern has won seven games over that stretch. So more than 30 years, we're talking about basically 35 years, right? They've won seven times, home and away. Four at, four at home, three at Breslin. Or Jenison. I think one of them came at Jenison, but three in East Lansing. <laughs> so not a lot of wins. But I will tell you, and I couldn't remember the one in 88 or 89 well, but I remember the ones from the Izzo era. And they usually involve one guy kind of going off. We talked about the mm -hmm. boo booey effect. Kevin Coble had one of those in his career earlier and you know, maybe I don't know, twelve years ago. That kind of range. Um, it usually okay. involves that. This was not that. I do think Boo Booey had a dominant performance, but it wasn't that kind of performance. This this felt, you know, when you're looking at a team and and they can win a game and sometimes say, Yeah, but they just got red hot or some fluky things happened or the opponent couldn't hit the broad side of the barn they just their shooting eye but left them um it doesn't mean very much this felt much more substantial to me than any northwestern win i could think of it's it convinces me that they have and they've had a couple good teams in recent years obviously but this is a potentially a really good team if they can find something close to that level consistently it just felt very substantive in a way their wins typically don't. Yeah. In my yeah, I think opinion, the, the question least. for that program is, yeah, and I agree. And I think the question for them is when Bowie, Barry, and Langborg leave, you well, know, what happens I'm to the team about, next? I'm talking about this team this year. This feels... Right, yeah, yeah. And I'm just talking about Collins yeah. in general going forward because this, this this feels like the cusp of like a legitimate program, you know? Maybe. Yeah, I think it's hard there for the reason you just suggested. Yeah. You know, you've got to... He had that earlier, that first tournament team, and followed it up, actually, with some very highly regarded recruiting classes by Northwestern standards that just didn't pan out. Yeah, Guys just work, weren't, yeah. yeah, they had those years where they were not great, and even though the talent was supposedly better. So it's a hard thing, and he doesn't currently have a bunch of highly regarded high school guys coming into that program. So it will be interesting to see what he does going you know going in next year but um for this team this year i i will say compared to them even last year that team i saw tonight is much more substantial because last year they didn't shoot very well they were yeah. basically a team that succeeded because they they caused a lot of chaos and they had a couple of absolute heat check guys that could shoot them in or shoot them out of any game, but they shot them into enough. They were able to win. You know, Chase Audige was the least predictable player on the planet, <laughs> you know, and Bowie yeah. kind of followed that to some extent. But, you know, and I mentioned it on our preview, Ty Berry did not have a good year last year shooting the ball. Well, he's having a great year shooting the ball this time around. He's plus 40%. So it just feels... And I know they had their loss to Chicago State and they got blown out of Illinois, so that's evidence that they're fully capable of going the other direction hard. But I, I just, I, 
I'm disappointed with the way Michigan State played, but I also, I really do think that was the kind of game from Northwestern that if I was a Northwestern fan, I'd be saying, man, if we can find 80% of that all the time, we're in good shape. Yeah. It, it didn't feel gimmicky. No, which is, I think, not sometimes at all. Like exactly. You felt like in the past. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. It wasn't circus shots. It wasn't, oh my God, these guys are playing out of their heads or the other team is handing it to them on a silver platter. It was none of that. It was very substantive, very, um, very efficient, and and just kind of, you know, you felt like nobody was doing or trying to do things that they're not typically capable of doing. So then I guess the only other question, I, I think we probably should talk about Jackson Kohler. Sure. But before we talk about him, uh, any other players in Michigan State that are worth mentioning or the performance today? I. You know, that stood I, out. I mean, I aside actually, from the shooting, was pretty good from three. I mean, that was encouraging. They, that if they, they can shot the carry ball, this forward, they shot the ball well. Yeah, forty-eight percent overall, forty-seven point four percent from three. The free throws were a problem, although they got better down the stretch. Kind of garbage time. They made that number look a little more respectable. Um, you know, this is team-wide stuff. We talked about the rebounding not being nearly what it needed to be. Turnovers were not good, but they also weren't crazy bad except in terms of the number yeah. of points they give up off them individually you know Tyson's Tyson's the one guy you look at and say boy that guy balled out but nobody else but I actually thought Madi and Carson were decent in this game uh, yeah I thought they're okay yeah um Malik has said it was a no-show they didn't get anything really, from Cohen or or Book. Um, we mentioned also Trey Holloman, really his least impactful game in a, maybe the entire season, um, it felt like. Um, yeah, he played 23 minutes. It didn't feel like no, it. No, like and he, he just didn't. Yeah. He just didn't have an impact. Again, other than that one great recovery block, um, that was about it in terms of loud yeah. plays that he made. And we're used to seeing him do more of that. Um so that was a little bit disappointing, but um, yeah, it's uh, the 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 big one that stands out is that they got zero out of Malik, and you and can't no have rebounds. That. I mean, no nothing. rebounds. Zero, zero, zero for four from the floor, zero for one at the line. They 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 can't they can't have that. And then to yeah. com- and then to compound it, you know, you might think, well, maybe you get lucky if the night the Malik's a zero, Cohen Carr has a loud game. That didn't happen. You know, no. <laughs> so they just got it. They got blown out at the four for the first time, yeah. really all year that I can think of. I mean, there might be one other example of it. I don't know, but they haven't been just dusted like they were tonight. Barnheiser just killing them and, and yeah. no response at the other end. So, yeah, disappointing. Yeah. And so then Kohler, I, you know, he looked good. Yeah, you know, at least like he could move fine and stuff. And he's boy, it you what a dramatic body body transformation from last year. I yep. mean, it's it's pretty pretty impressive. And he looked like he was in a comfortable post move. I thought it was a good move to get himself open, and it looked like a very comfortable shot. Just didn't fall the one he took. And I thought his pass, uh, where he took a dribble and passed out. Pass. I don't remember who's on the wing. It was a good pass. It was he recognized the double team coming yep. control the ball and then got out there let the defender get out of position it just didn't the, I think the it was I think it was Jaden it was an open shot yeah i think it was um, yeah yeah look the most encouraging thing i took from it was the way he moved defensively there was one possession he wasn't in there very much but the no, three minutes yeah. yeah there was one possession where he got switched i don't know who it was one of their guards he got switched onto a guard and he moved his feet well enough. The guy had to take kind of an out-of-rhythm contested mid-range shot mm-hmm. that he missed. So that was encouraging to see. I think interesting things, if my memory serves, I think he was at the five because he was yes, out he there was with Malik. The yep. Yeah, so that's the first thing that's interesting is, okay, is that how it's going to be? And if that's how it's going to be, then that – that dictates some things, you know, that says, all right, this impacts Madi and Carson. It doesn't necessarily, we know it won't impact Hall much, but 
it doesn't necessarily impact Cohen Carr or Xavier Booker. If he's right. going to be now, there's nothing saying that we won't see him at the four moving forward. This might have been this particular matchup, or which I can understand because Northwestern doesn't have bigger fours, so they might not have wanted to put him on somebody like Barnheiser. Um, and maybe we'll see him at the four in other games. I don't know, but that's been a, there's been a lot of speculation about that. Like if and when he comes back, where does he play? Um, so for tonight, at least it was at the five. I thought he made a good move, but you know, and, and again, it's three minutes. I'm not putting a lot of stock in it, but the one shot he took, yeah, it was reminiscent of last year. It was yep. great footwork, yeah. got himself loose for a good look and then just didn't hit the shot. Um, I'm not bagging on him. It's one shot and it's his first <laughs> shot of the year, but I'm just saying that was something that looked familiar in a not so good way. His footwork, yeah. which is exceptional, and his understanding of angles and how to use his body, all that stuff is really high level. He's got to convert more. And that's where I, you know, people have talked about the body reshaping, and that's great. And it should hopefully help make a difference defensively. But I do wonder, you know, he struggled at times finishing inside. And so, I don't know because I haven't seen him really play other than three minutes tonight. Um, is he going to be any better in that regard? Because usually improving there involves getting stronger. With the body reshaping, did he get leaner but stronger? If so, that's great. And that should make a difference. But we don't we don't know yet. Um, the other play you mentioned I thought was a really good one. He drew defenders to him and he kicked it out, found a good shooter. He's a... He's a very smart, instinctual player. I've never had any doubts about that. My my concerns about Jackson Kohler right now are, are two things, and they're related. How does he move? How does he defend? Mm -hmm. On tonight's evidence, I guess there's one data point in the favor of answering that positively. But it also might mean, you know, the, the five... It's a different challenge. I'm not going to say it's easier or tougher than the four, but I do think the advantage is you're you're not you're not typically if you're if you're executing properly in pick and roll defense, you're not going to be hung out to dry on guards. The idea is that you you force the guard to turn back and start over, not to then yeah. switch on you get you switched on him and size you up and take you. So if that's the case, and he's primarily really guarding fives, um, that's an easier assignment from the in terms of the athleticism demand than the four would be. But we'll see. Right. I mean, that it's a lot of unanswered questions, and we got our first data point tonight. It's great that he played. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised if we see him play a whole lot more. You know, maybe he has two stints against Illinois, but... I don't think we really get a good feel for him until next week when they have their two home well, games, I, sort of where he is. I will say this. Um, one one way he might get a shot against Illinois. Um, Illinois, as opposed to some of these other teams we've seen recently, is a team that can offensive rebound. They are huge. Their guards yeah. are huge. They've got Hawkins, who's 6'10" got Dane Danger. I mean, they've just got size and they go at it hard. So that is going to be a huge challenge for Michigan State. And as we've seen, they're not consistently answering that call. So if that <laughs> if that bleeds over into this game, Jackson might get opportunities just based on the fact that um, nobody else is doing any better. So why not give him a shot? You know what I mean? That's one thing yeah, I absolutely. could kind of see. Well, I think we'll uh, we'll turn around here. We're going to be back in just uh, very soon to get the pregame for Illinois as Michigan State heads out in to finish off their Illinois road trip. I guess I'm sure they went home for they'll go home first, yeah. obviously, before they go back to Champaign. But uh, again, check out our great sponsor of the show, the Squeegee Squad out in Grand Rapids. Uh, also, check out the Brothers Who Just Do Gutters if you need any gutter work. And finally, Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com. Don't forget that you can go to nudgeprinting.com slash TFFINOTS to get to our page where you can answer the trivia question to get entered in the drawing for a free t-shirt from Nudge Printing. 
And it's a pretty easy one or one, you know, you can even look up, but you didn't hear that from me. So anyway, until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green.